Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Audio Judo. I'm Kyle. And I'm Matthew. Welcome. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast Network, your premier source of music podcasts. Uh, we are quickly approaching our 100th yeah. episode, this being number 94, uh, and we are planning something unique that I will not elaborate about at the moment, <laughs> just in case we suck and we can't pull it off. If it turns out to be a clip episode, you'll know we failed. We screwed it up. Uh, besides this show, we also have two more shows that we are parents to. Mm. Uh, there is Audio Judo does jazz which will be starting up season two next year and there's through line which is a show all about concepts within albums whether real or imagined uh in addition to all that nonsense we have going on we also have additional content that is only available to you through our patreon account kyle how would they go about getting into something like yeah, that? yeah so if you just want to support the podcast our lowest tier is called the shout it out loud tier and only for only one dollar or a euro or a pound or whatever your local currency is per month you can help out the podcast quite a bit rupee? Uh, a rupee if you if you live where they use rupees you can help the podcast quite a bit. In exchange for that, we'll give you a shout out at the end of every single episode. The content Matthew was talking about, the first tier that gets that is called the Front Row Seats tier. Uh, for five bucks a month, you can really help us out and keep us uh, buying beer and drinks so that we can keep making the podcast. In exchange for that, you'll get the shout out at the end of every episode. You'll get two day early access to full episodes. Uh, you'll get access to those bonus mini episodes, which we call Judo Chops. And you'll get occasional access to some little, uh, little bits and pieces that we had to cut out of episodes or whatever. If you really want to help the podcast out and get a little something for yourself, in return, you can sign up for the backstage pass tier. It is $20 a month. And for that, you will get the shout out by name at the end of every episode, two day early access to full episodes, access to the Judo Chop mini episodes, uh, little bonus bits that we cut out, plus a very special personalized gift after three months at that tier. And the big part, after a year at that tier, you can co-host an episode of Audio Judo with us about the album of your choice. Uh, that does only activate once and it does require a full year of patronage in order to activate that. But it's a lot of fun. We've done, what, two so far? I don't know. Two? I One? I think 
we've done two. One? I think just one. Oh, okay. Well, then we've only done one. We need to do another one. We need. To, there's one coming up shortly. Yeah. There's one coming up uh, in March, I believe. Yeah. There's another one coming up in June or July. June or July. Yeah. That sounds about right. And then uh, we just had a new patron sign up at that tier. So yeah. November 2023, another one coming up. I need to uh, should schedule those, huh? I should get yeah, on that. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so now that we have uh, that business out of the way, we can get down to this episode. Uh, you are in for a real treat today, Ooh, folks. Yeah. Uh, today, we're bringing you our fourth annual holiday episode. And because we couldn't record our holiday episode without our resident holiday expert. Indeed. Uh, it is time to welcome in the Christmas queen, or as her TikTok handle will tell you, Mother Christmas. Ooh. And my lovely wife, Heather. Hi. Uh, hello. Hello. Glad to join. Uh, she is the only person in the room prettier than Kyle. No offense, Randy. Oh my. So how you been? How's the uh, holiday decorating going? It's good. It's good. I'm uh, really trying to be intentional and deliberate because I am, of course, behind the eight ball. As no, always. <laughs> you are never behind. I see you're decked out in your uh, Christmas onesie. Everyone on videos watching this can see she's got a Christmas onesie on. So a little different uh, feel this year for sure as we're recording this episode uh, for the first time in the new studio location mm -hmm. and the first time we've actually recorded this episode during the day. Yeah, kind of weird. So it probably feels a little bit weird to us. First time we've ever recorded this episode sober. Also true. <laughs> a little weird. That's very weird. So, But we're excited that you're here. Thank you. Before we get started on the meat of the episode, however, we do have a special treat for you. Uh, as most of you know, we hosted artist Maya Wynn a couple of months ago for an in-home concert. That concert is still available for viewing uh, on her YouTube channel. If if you like to watch it, you can go to any one of our Audio Judo social media pages and find the link there, or we'll provide a link on the page for this episode. While Maya was here, we were all hanging out together explaining how our house turns into a winter wonderland of the season. Uh, and she mentioned that she has a Christmas EP. And I said, boy, I would love to hear that. <laughs> so in her unicorn onesie, she grabbed her ukulele and proceeded to play the song Feels Like Christmas right there at our kitchen table. <laughs> so here it is for you, Maya Wynn and Feels Like Christmas. This world is full of Christmas. So let go of all your sadness, let go of all the pain for what? Oh, let go of all your brokenness, let's get 
beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's so nice. I believe she mentioned that she played some of the songs uh, on the EP on the harp guitar, which is actually such a gorgeous instrument. Just a massive piece of harp <laughs> and guitar. Uh, the song is available on Spotify and other streaming services. However, if you are a true fan of the podcast and of Maya, I say you should go to the band camp, her Bandcamp site yes. and pay the $2 for it, especially around the holidays. She's still an independent artist. Uh, you can find that at mayawin.bandcamp.com, and we will have a link in the show notes for that as well. So this year's episode took a number of twists and turns to get here. I think for a while, I'd wanted to do an episode about non-religious holiday tunes, right? That was where I was at first. And for a while, I was hung up on holiday songs performed only by women. Hmm. But at the end of the day, I settled on holiday songs from around the world. And the format is a simple one. Each of us has picked four countries and done our research about the holiday traditions and music. We will give you some background on how the holiday season is celebrated there and how it differs from here. And also play a popular song or maybe not as popular song from that country as well. Really depends. And I think this is going to be a lot of fun, educational, because I've seen the countries you guys have picked out and I'm intrigued about this. Uh, and I think that's so we can flesh it out a little better. I will go first and then you guys can fight over who goes next, even right. though we already have the order Fair. decided. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Even though the order is clearly written down on a piece of paper. It is written down on a piece <laughs> of paper. Let me rephrase that. Inclearly written down on a piece of paper. So we'll go me, and then Kyle, and then Heather. So Heather, you will end up having the very last say. Ooh, so I think that's important. I like it. So my first country is Portugal. Oh. Portugal. Portugal. <laughs> Nativities. Nativities all around. Makes sense. One of the main things I found when researching the holiday season in Portugal is their love of, and some may say, obsession with nativity scenes, be they live or otherwise. Zombie nativity scenes. Correct. That's pretty cool. Yeah, you will find them all over Portugal during the holiday season, even on the sides of roads or in the middle of roundabouts. They put mm -hmm. them everywhere. Uh, the Portuguese word for nativity is precipios. 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 And they take them very seriously. It's even... In the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, in 2012, the town of Sapayo de... Oh, man. Alioros. So I, I do want to point out real quick. I, I got I to divert here for Seo a second. Peo. Heather, before we started, was doing all this research into how to pronounce all the words she needs to pronounce later. <laughs> she was pulling out her phone and listening to Google Translate and all this stuff. And Matthew and I just show up with all this complicated shit. And I'm going to be like, what? La Garuba do, Dose Corbadoba. Like, I think that's yeah. how it's pronounced. It, it could be. I think it's better that way. Yeah, of course. So, so the town of Sao Paio de Oleros, let's go with that, had an entry in the Guinness Book of World Records for hosting the largest moving nativity scene in the world. Ooh. It's massive. Because how, this is- How big was it? It was so big. I don't know. It was hundreds oh, just of people. just really big. Uh, and because this is a primarily a Catholic country, uh, even the private homes take them very seriously. Uh, rather than just jam them on the hall table or stick them in a corner, they gather stones and moss from outside to give them an authentic background. Spiders. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a risk- they all are willing to take. But in true Catholic tradition, they don't decorate the house at all until Christmas Eve, including the nativity. And baby Jesus is left out of the manger until Christmas Day. Well, yeah, because he makes wasn't sense. born yet. Right? Yeah. Right. And he's just got like that diaper on. That sucks. Generally, it seems like they celebrate a lot of Christmas on the 24th, on Christmas Eve. As opposed to stockings, uh, shoes are left out overnight for baby Jesus to fill with gifts. Not Santa. Baby Jesus fills the shoes with gifts. Not Santa. 
Uh, ironic, we used to do the same thing in my house, but a few weeks earlier. Growing up in a Catholic household as well, with German heritage, we celebrated the Feast of St. Nicholas on December 6th mm -hmm. by putting our shoes by the door. And in the morning, there were little gifts and candy and such, which is kind of gross. Like, why did my mom put candy in my shoe? Especially your shoes. Yeah. Gross. They're, they're right? They're pretty nasty. Especially <laughs> December 6th, which means it was probably my boots. Ugh. Even Ugh. worse. <laughs> Sweaty boots. <laughs> so most families in Portugal will then head to church for the Misa de Gaio. I got that one right. Nice. Or the Midnight Mass. Uh, one tradition they have is the kissing of the baby Jesus, and everybody lines up to do that during the Mass. I hope it's a statue and not just not just random baby. <laughs> <laughs> Even so, just kissing that statue all the time. So after they get home, uh, COVID. Yeah, right? I was about to say, I wonder how that's changed in the last couple <laughs> yeah. of years. So after they get home, which is usually really late, uh, they find what baby Jesus left for them in their shoes, and he is put into his manger in the ever-present nativity scene. As far as food is concerned, the Christmas dinner is called the consoada and is eaten on the 24th as well. Uh, the normal option for dinner is the Portuguese national dish called bacalhau, which is a cod, right? Mm. Fish. Most typical pre preparation is the bacalhau de consada, which isn't the most popular presentation by far. <laughs> uh, but it's most typical. The, this one is cabbage, boiled eggs, boiled potatoes, and cod served with a sauce of vinegar, olive oil, and garlic. So no kissing after this, I yeah. don't think. <sighs> I mean, if you're all eating the same thing. That's true. Yeah. Every, and they love everybody's going to stink the same is what Heather's trying exactly. to say. Exactly. Uh, and they uh, they love their pastries as well. Uh, Fatias Duroros is very popular, and I can get on board with this one because it's French toast with a wine sauce. Ooh. That sounds delightful. Nummy. Yeah. Also very popular is the Bolo Ray, which is a king cake, popular in France, filled with dried fruits and nuts. It's just another take on the crowd pleaser that is the holiday fruitcake. Mm. And not surprising, the drink of choice around this time of year, or any time of year, is a variation on port. Always port. I'm a big fan of the tawny ports. Uh, okay, so we're moving on to music now. Yeah. So, while Silent Night is the most popular Christmas song in Portugal, and generally the entire world over. I would believe that, yes. Uh, there is a rich history of traditional holiday music dating back to the earliest parts of the 20th century. But the story would be incomplete without the inclusion of Fernando López Graca, who many believe to be one of the greatest composers of Portuguese descent during this period. Not only was he an extremely accomplished composer, but he was also an activist against the fascist regime that held power in Portugal in the 40s and 50s in that mm. region of the world. For that reason, his music career was often derailed as he kept getting kicked out of the country and tossed into prison. <laughs> so he wasn't able to write quite as much. So on Christmas Eve 1950, he premiered his Cantatas do Natal, or Christmas songs, which consisted of 34 ballads and carols. Uh, half of them were based in Iberian folklore and also the Tras o Montes region of Portugal. That means behind the mountains in Portuguese, and it is unique for its extreme location and culture. They have like this ghost culture, and I don't mean like specters, Ooh. but nobody really has a handle on what their culture is unless you live there. Oh, it's okay. A, it's a very secretive, like the whole area is like steeped in these secret societies and stuff, and they don't really share any of it. So getting any music out of there is a yeoman's effort. That is more scary to me than ghosts. Yeah, like what? a creepy secret society. That's how horror movies start. Like. Always. But like, uh, what was the Swedish one where the, oh, Midsummer. Yeah. So you're going to end up in some weird place and they're going to, you know, chop you <laughs> no, up and I'm eat you. I'm just here to or learn about your music. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, yeah, Serpent in the Rainbow. Oh. Oh, no thanks. Uh, so 
Uh, in between 1934 and 1958, he also wrote seven other concert programs for the Christmas season, with the last being Present de Natal para as Crianças, or A Christmas Gift for Children. Uh, unfortunately, recordings of his music have been lost to time, but I found an updated version of one of his songs called Natal das Crianças, which sounds like this. Das crianças, Natal na noite de luz, Natal da estrela guia, Natal do menino Jesus. Blim blom, blim blom, blim blom, bate o sino da matriz, papai, mamãe. So uh, that's it for Portugal. Kyle, what you got? Where, where well, are we at? I got to ask you a quick yeah. question. Why did you pick Portugal? Uh, I picked two countries at random and two that I had a connection with, whether real or imagined. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, so this one was one of the random interesting picks. All right. Did you put them in a hat and pull them out? Or? No, I kind of- Did you throw I, a dart at a map? No, I took a map and I opened it like opened it and went- Got, got real drunk, spun around, pointed your finger at yeah. it. Did the thing with the globe. Cool. Well, that's fun. Yeah. Spin the globe. Right? Yeah. And then your finger gets stuck <laughs> under the part that holds the globe. Ow! God damn it! That's how, that's how it always happens to me. Yeah. So my first one, I picked Finland. Finland, do you have Finland, some sort of? I, I see she's singing the song too. I, yeah. Do you have I, some sort of connection to Finland? I, I do. Do I have, you? I picked it for two reasons. So the first is my direct connection. Uh, my sister lives in Finland. Her uh, partner lives in Finland, uh, and my nephew lives. in I Finland. I would hope they don't live in separate. Yeah, that would be places, weird. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be weird. Uh, <laughs> that's the first reason I picked it. Uh, second reason I picked it is because Finland is officially the home of Santa Claus. What? Yeah, you thought he lived I at the would North Pole. Say you'll you, hear. Well, we're gonna others f- beg to. Hmm. Are we going to fight about this? We might, because, uh, you know, everybody's like, oh, he lives at the North Pole. Totally fake. Fake news spread by anti-Sant operatives <laughs> to trick people into purchasing more cookies and milk. Yeah, you see kids, big dairy and big bakery don't want you to know that their profits go way up around Christmas time, shilling out cookies and milk for the fake quote unquote Santa that lives at the Dude, North Pole. you don't F with big dairy. You just don't. Yeah. It turns out, though, that the real Santa lives in Lapland, Finland. Uh, his official home is Lies. in this d- delightful-looking <laughs> town called uh, Rovaniemi, uh, where he has a house and a place to keep his reindeer. Uh, instead of cookies, he probably prefers a nice cup of glogi, oh. which is a type of mold wine. You can even write him letters at his official address, which is Santa Claus, care of Santa Claus's main post office, 96930 Napapiri, Finland. Uh, Napapiri is actually a little suburb of uh, of uh, uh, Rovaniemi. Rovaniemi. Uh, and it has a beautiful little, there's like a little kind of theme park where you can go and you can see Santa's reindeer and you can meet Santa. And Santa Claus. sold out. And Santa I was going to say, so is this just some dude in Finland that's like, hey, I really want to get in on this racket? It, it, I mean, it could be. It sounds like the real Santa to I'm me. I'm making though. some serious it is, coin. It is also a Rovan... Oh God, I can never Rovaniemi. Rovaniemi, thank you. Uh, sits, the town sits right on the Arctic Circle and they have this really cool downtown area where there's all these pillars with like a bar that goes between them that is the Arctic Circle. 
so you can walk underneath it. And So when you were in Finland uh, a couple I, of months ago, did you go? I did not go there. Oh. It is way far north from Helsinki, and it's not easy to get there. It's got to be so. just a, like a, through a couple fjords. Yeah, you know. Bang, bang, boom, you're there. You got to save stuff for the next trip, Matthew. You oh, always right. got to save stuff for that. So anyways, uh, the Finns generally celebrate on Christmas Eve which uh, turns out to be a very uh, widespread thing I had no idea about. Uh, That's when Santa comes and brings their presents. Uh, Many people attend Midnight Mass as well. Uh, Christmas isn't just a single day in Finland, though. Uh, It starts on Christmas Eve and lasts all the way until St. Newt's Day on January 13th. Um, There's an old Finnish adage which says, Good Thomas brought Christmas with him and Evil Newtie took it away. Evil Newtie? Evil Newtie. N-U-U-T-T-I. Newtie. Too many U's and too many T's, but what do I know? (laughs) Newtie. And apparently... Apparently, uh, under like ancient Finnish law, uh, there was a uh, Christmas peace every year, which lasted for 20 days. And it began on December 21st, uh, the day of uh, Thomas, and ended on January 13th, the day of Newt. So no wars? Uh, if the, you were at war with somebody, you were supposed to put it on hold. Man, those yeah. couple days leading back up to St. Newt's Day must have been really stressful. Right? You're like, oh, we're oh, going to die. And you can <laughs> see people amassing on the hill and you're just like, mm. So they celebrate pretty much the same way that uh, most people do, though. They get drunk and they eat a lot of food. Christmas meals start off with porridge, which generally has one almond in it served for, for flavor. everybody. Uh, no, it's like a, a lucky almond. Ah. So if you get the almond, you have a lucky It's like the king cake. In. It's like the king cake. It's a very similar tradition. Most important piece of the meal is ham. They often serve it with mustard. And like I was talking about earlier, glögi, which is a mulled wine made from uh, fruit juice or uh, red wine mixed with raisins, almonds, and spices like cardamom, cinnamon, uh, and uh, other spices. How's, how's your stomach doing right about now? Um, yeah, I'm really yeah. hungry. Getting hungry? <laughs> For dessert, plum jelly and gingerbread cookies with plum jam. Chocolate has also become super important there. Is the national fruit the plum? Huh? Is the national fruit the plum? I don't know, to be honest with you. Uh, also, one thing that's pretty traditionally Finnish is they do a Christmas visit to the sauna, which that sounds fits. That sounds like lo- I'm in. Lovely, right? yeah. So uh, music-wise, uh, they enjoy a lot of uh, uh, foreign Christmas carols now, today. You know, a lot of English-speaking Christmas carols and from all over Europe. They do love traditional and older Christmas carols as well, though. Oftentimes, they're covered by modern artists, modern Finnish artists in Finnish. Christmas carols are also a very essential part of Finnish Christmas celebrations. They have some very sad ones, like there's one called uh, Sparrow on the Christmas Morning, which is uh, by Sakari Topolis. It's been one of Finland's favorite songs for decades, but it is very, very sad lyrics about loss and, you know, Nordic things that are sad. Uh, <laughs> what are Nordic things? <laughs> I don't I don't know. It, Nordic things it, it that seems are very sad. Unusual like to ships me. going down. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, oh, just, yeah that sucks. just there's that general sort of a, a dread feeling in the Nordic winters. <laughs> because you don't see the sun for exactly months at a time one of the uh, uh <laughs> the ship went down <laughs> so go on um weirdly some of the foreign songs that they love the most uh, last christmas by wham uh, uh yeah happy xmas war is over by john, john lennon, lennon and yoko yeah. ono and heather hates that song mariah carey's all i want for oh christmas is god you. i know our perennial favorite <laughs> to think i respected the finish yeah. right up until that moment uh there is a, a lovely Finnish singer named Suvi Tera... Yeah, right? Good luck with that. <laughs> Suvi Terasniska. Okay. That's not bad. The song is called Mumo. Uh, here's a little clip of it. Lapsen lapset muistaa mummoa 
What's that damn fe- what's that damn song festival? Oh, the International Song Festival. Oh, Eurovision? Eurovision. That's what that sounds like. That was totally. destined for Eurovision. Yes, absolutely. It definitely if they don't do a Christmas version of Eurovision, they absolutely should. That could, would go over bonkers huge. You could see that song with just like elaborate staging oh, and yeah. all kinds of crystal and big waves weird. of lights and stuff. <laughs> Came on, on. <laughs> That'd be great. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's Christmas in Finland. It seems like it would be a lot of fun. Very delicious looking foods. You're going to do your line? And I'm finished with Finland now. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. <laughs> All right. So we move across the globe to Mexico. Ooh. So when looking at the four countries that I chose for this episode, I determined if I wasn't already entrenched in the traditions of the United States from childhood and got the opportunity to pick which country I would come from just solely based on their Christmas celebrations, I would definitely choose Mexico, in spite of the fact that most of these celebrations are religious based. Hmm. So it's a party, like for a long period of time. I like parties. Yeah. Fiestas. I like the party. (laughs) The Christmas celebrations in Mexico last over a month and are rich with tradition. The season starts on December 12th with Dia de la Virgen de Guadalupe or Day of the Virgin of Guadalupe. On this day, Catholics from all over Mexico go to the Basilica of Guadalupe to visit a special image of the Virgin Mary. They celebrate with parades, fireworks, and music. And one of the most common treats that are eaten on this day are bunuelos, which are a crispy fried fritter um, that is sprinkled with sugar or slathered in syrup. To me, they they look like kind of the consistency of a beignet, but almost in more of a donut hole shape. So they're just like little round balls, nice crispy outside. Mm -hmm. So they looked really good. And again, I'm, my stomach is growling. I'm very hungry. (laughs) Disney World not carry anything like this? Uh, Brandy? I'm sure they have to. Oh, what? (laughs) Um, Next comes Las Posadas, which translates to the inn or lodging. Uh, This celebration starts on December 16th and lasts through December 24th. During this time, there are many reenactments throughout Mexico done based on the story of Mary and Joseph. Joseph mm-hmm. seeking shelter in the manger. Yeah. Um, so children go from house to house during this time, singing the traditional La Posada song called Canto para pedir posada, like these children here in this clip.
yeah. as you can tell uh, from the the clip there, they do it in um, alternating groups. So it's generally two or more people, and then they separate into groups, and one sings one verse, one group sings one verse, and the other group call sings and response sort of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After singing, they ask for entry into the home where they join in on a fiesta with food, mm, drink, another and fiesta. All right. Um, so an interesting note on these Christmas piñatas is that there's a special meaning to the style and the process of striking the piñata. First, the piñata used during the season are normally mostly in a ball shape with seven spikes on it. So we've all seen them. Oh, yeah. And in stores, they're, oh. uh, they're available throughout the year, but these are the Christmas piñatas. Wow. And the seven spikes actually represent the seven deadly sins. Oh. You know, yeah. Christmas tradition, the seven yeah. deadly sins. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Well, but you, in the process, <laughs> though, you'll understand. So okay. next, the step of covering the eyes of the striker is meant to symbolize blind faith. Oh. And the stick is meant to represent virtue. Finally, the treats and the candy found inside the re- is the reward for their faith in God. Oh. So it's all very religious based, very. as I said at the beginning. Hmm. Um, then the last day of Posada is actually Christmas Eve or Noche Buena, where families will go to church to attend a late night mass known as La Misa del Gallo, which, uh, Gallo, yeah. Gallo, which is similar to the Portuguese. Yeah. And what that stands for is the mass of the rooster. And the reason why oh. it's called that is because it is said that when the baby Jesus was born, a rooster crowed. So mm-hmm. that's why it's called the, the mass of the rooster. Then on Christmas Day, which we all know as Navidad, thanks to the popular song Feliz Navidad, written and performed originally by Jose Feliciano in 1970, families again go to church, relax in their homes, and eat lots and lots of food. A traditional Mexican Christmas dinner will often begin with oxtail soup filled with beans and hot chili. Oh, oxtail. Yeah. Then on December 28th, they celebrate Dia de los Santos Inocentes or Day of the Sainted Innocents. Traditionally, this day is full of people telling others bold-faced lies, <laughs> representing the trickery of the innocent. Wait, so what, what date was that? That is on December 28th. Interesting. Okay. And that is very similar. <laughs> this will come back. This will come back. Okay. It's very similar to April Fool's Day in yeah. the United States. Then they finish off their celebrations on January January 6th, when the presents are actually given, um, especially to children. This is the day known as Dia de los Tres Reyes Magos, a.k.a. Dia de Reyes, which translates to Three Kings Day. Common carols or villancicos, which is that's the only one, villancicos, I didn't look up, that goes with this day is Los Peces en el Rio, or the Fishes in the River, which tells the story of Mary washing the Christ child's clothing in the Rio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Ya Vienen Los Reyes, which ties into the gift giving on this day to symbolize those brought by the three wise men to baby Jesus. During this celebration, family and friends share a rosca de reyes, a sweet bread baked in the shape of a wreath with baby Jesus, Jesus figurines inside. So huh. we're seeing a so commonality. There, yeah, there's yeah. a thread there. Whoever f- 
finds one is expected to host the next celebration on February 2nd, known as Dia de la Candelaria, tying the season celebrations up with yet another day of feasting and family. Hmm. I like this. It's a lot of food. Yeah. Right. A lot of food, a lot of family, celebrations. And it goes on really for more than a month. As usual in learning about all this, uh, I realized that Americans get screwed. Yeah. Every other country's like, oh no, it lasts like three months. <laughs> it's the whole winter season is just a giant Our, Christmas celebration. <laughs> ours last three months. They try to. Well, but people, people shut it down. They're like, no, Christmas starts the day after Thanksgiving. You better not put it in Don't the put stores. anything up. Cram, yeah. Cramming a bunch of stuff on store shelves is different than celebrations lasting three months. Absolutely. You see my you guys house. Celebrate, you guys celebrate for a long time. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I'm just saying, generally speaking, we kind of screw ourselves and be like, no, no, we don't want to celebrate this long. No, no. We don't want extra time off work. No, no. It's probably why some of these countries are generally more peaceful than ours. Mm, <laughs> good Their call. celebration good lasts call. longer. Is so that that's it? it for Mexico. Mexico. I like it. Mexico is getting a star. Yeah. That was nice. So my uh, second country is Nigeria. And of the four countries I chose, this is the one that really intrigued me the most. Mostly because I know virtually nothing about the culture there outside of what I've seen on TV shows like 90 Day Fiance. Indeed. Which is the reason why I picked it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so this one was fun. Yeah, because it was, I'm like, I kind of ha- know a couple of these cities. I kind of I kind of know a little bit about it. So let's see where it heads. Nigeria used to be a colony of Great Britain, as was most of Africa. Uh, it is the most ethnically diverse country in Africa, hosting over 200 different cultural groups that speak over 400 different dialects. Whoa. 60% of the population are Christian, while the remaining 40% are either Muslim or more traditionalist religions actually native to that region. Muslims dominate the northern parts of the country while the Christians populate the south. During Christmas time, children expect a new cloth from their parents called the Christmas cloth. The new Christmas cloth is what the children, and sometimes the parents who still practice that tradition, will wear on Christmas Day. Children usually then spend the bulk of the day going door to door in their neighborhood, kind of like Halloween, where they usually are given small gifts of money from all of the uh, the neighbors. And the kids will u- then utilize, they'll use that money to buy fireworks or bangers, as they call them, to be used in the evening, that night. They all just blow off fireworks. That sounds like a party right there. <laughs> Uh, People usually go to church in the evening on Christmas Eve and begin celebrating right away. They blast loud music and dance and all drink the traditional drink of the season, palm wine. And they party long into the night, saving the food for Christmas Day. First of all, that palm wine. I tried so hard to get that here. (laughs) Because I really wanted to bring everyone a nip, even though I realized that people have to go back to work or whatever. And I could not find it anywhere. I even Mm. went to the local African market in Summerlin. And they're like, no, we have palm juice, but palm wine, they won't let anyone import it. And I'm like, oh, man. So it is very difficult to get here. So in the morning, they greet each other the way we all do with a Merry Christmas. Hausa is the most spoken dialect in Nigeria, and that is said, Barka da... Kirasamati. Barka da Kirasamati. The food is prepared by the woman of the house or the first daughter of the house. We've seen that kind of on the show. Definitely. Typical preparations are a chicken or a hen, but one particular cultural uh, group, the Igbo, kill a goat for Christmas dinner and make a dish called Nkwabi. Uh, Looking that one up, it sounds very interesting. Goat, bouillon, utazi, which is a West African herb, edible potash, which is salty gravel. Yeah. Yeah. 
palm oil, uva, which is oil bean seed, scotch bonnet peppers. Love them. Onion and nutmeg. I mean, other than the potash, I'd totally give that a try. Yeah, I mean, just grind in my... A little spicy. It'd be, yeah, it'd be spicy. The goat. That sounds all right. Hmm. I try it. Uh, music begins playing around noon on Christmas Day, and they all dress up in colorful masks and outfits and travel through the towns and villages, holding basically a moving Christmas carnival. That sounds like a ton of fun, and is certainly filled with a ton of joy. Uh, the most popular song in Nigeria the past few years is a song called Merry Christmas Darling by Timmy DeCallo. Uh, it is sung in English, reminiscent of American Christmas carols. Nothing from Soldier Boy. No, I couldn't find anything. It's kind of sappy, overdone. So instead, I opted for a song called The Animal Carol, which is sung by the Lagos City Chorale in the native Igbo language. We've seen Lagos a bunch of times. Um, And I think it's going to give you a better flavor for Nigerian holiday music because it's a carol in which there are a number of imitations of animals within the carol. Hmm. And it sounds like this. So that's what I have for Nigeria. Oh, that's great. It was totally I, fun. I, I got to be honest. When you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, this is going to be something really serious. I love that you can hear people laughing. Like, it's supposed to be fun. Yeah. That's, oh, that's awesome. Cause it, it's it, a YouTube video, so you, you can check it out. And it's hilarious because they come out there and there's like one that's doing like a peacock strut across the stage <laughs> and stuff. It's it's really cute. And the whole crowd is just cracking up and totally into it. So, yeah, that's it's awesome. a lot of fun. So that's it for Nigeria. <laughs> Kyle. All right. Uh, I picked Germany for my second pick. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's Austria. <laughs> Turns out the accent I've been doing for Germany all these years was Austrian, and I feel like in Doom Kong. So, I uh, picked it for three reasons. First of all, so much of our Christmas music and Christmas tradition comes from Germany. You don't say. Like, Silent Night? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what a surprise. Uh, my dad's family from Germany, technically Prussia, I guess, but we'll call it Germany. Uh, and also, because of the Krampus. Oh, yeah. yeah the Krampus. Yeah. That was a creepy movie. <laughs> it's a creepy character. Uh, basically, uh, Germany celebrates through the whole month of December. Surprise, surprise. It starts with Christmas markets uh, that get set up at the end of November. Then in early December is Krampusnacht, uh, which falls on the night before the Feast of St. Nicholas, December 5th and 6th, respectively. Then Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day are all celebrated. Uh, then on New Year's and Three Kings Day in early January. So they do a lot of celebrating throughout that time. A lot of the traditions that we think of around Christmas time uh, came from Germany, like we said. The Christmas tree, advent calendars, Christmas baubles, or baubles, tinsel, 
mold wine, Christmas angels, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, for food, uh, there's Stolen, which is a fruit bread. Surprise, surprise. Liebekuchen, which is honey cake, uh, potato salad. Oh, yeah. It's a big deal uh, for Germans on Christmas. German potato salad. Yeah. Sausages. How, I, how German? I had potato salad every year on Christmas Day. German yeah. potato salad. Right? Uh, and apparently they also u- uh, usually eat duck or goose or rabbit on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Christmas goose. Yeah. Uh, for drinks, mold wine is really common. There's also uh, Fears and Gimbole. You got it. Yeah. It <laughs> translates as fire tongs punch. What is this? It will absolutely jingle your bells if you aren't careful with it. Uh, the recipe for fire fear, what? Fire tongs, like tongs, tongs like fire okay. tongs. What is it? Uh, so you can find the actual recipe online. It's a little difficult to make. Uh, it has red wine, rum, orange, lemon, cinnamon, clove, and ginger in it. Delicious. I, I've had it once many years ago, and it is very good. The trick is you soak up all the rum with a sugar loaf, and it's it's hard to describe what that is. It's almost like an angel food cake kind of thing, but okay. it's much more Like a sponge dense. cake. Yeah. And then you put that on the tongs on top of the bowl of drink and light it on fire. Yes. And it burns and melts all the sugar down into the drink. And you have to keep adding rum to it to keep it burning. Oh, uh, yeah. This sounds fantastic. It is very good. I enjoyed it a lot. I had a friend make it for, for us 10 or 12 years ago now. Maybe but... I should do a TikTok video of that. Ooh, there yes, you go. Yes, please do. <laughs> if you, I, There's got to be a German store somewhere in Vegas. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. The, the sugar loaf is the real piece that's hard to find because you can make them. I found a few recipes online. They seem a little difficult to make and get right, but they sell them. It looks like a cone, basically, uh, of like angel food cake stuff. There is a German bakery on Eastern just right by the 215. I'll bet you money they make mm-hmm. them. Mm. But yeah, it, it was delicious and it's uh, uh, very alcoholic. <laughs> I also got to talk a little bit about Krampus really quick, too. So in case you don't know, Krampus is one of my favorite holiday things uh, because it's a great balance to Santa Claus, in my opinion. Uh, The Krampus is a horned creature that helps Santa by scaring children who have been slightly bad, by beating children with birch rods who've been very bad, and kidnapping (laughs) the absolute worst children. I love that idea that it's like, well, Santa rewards good children and Krampus comes and beats you if you're bad. So uh, I was excited about that. I love beating children. Uh, <laughs> we got pulling that clip. We just took yeah. presents away. I mean, geez, yeah, yeah, right, we, we yeah. went down the wrong path. Randy, right? write that down. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're pulling Pull that, that clip. clip. I love beating children. <laughs> Uh, So on the 5th of December, both Santa and Krampus visit children uh, throughout Germany and a bunch of other Alpine countries where Krampus exists. And like I said, Santa rewards good kids and Krampus doles out punishment. Europeans have actually been exchanging greeting cards featuring Krampus since the 19th century. He probably came from before that time, but uh, kind of an amalgam of a bunch of different Alpine area traditions. Sometimes he's introduced with the Gruß von Krampus or the Krampus greeting. And the cards that I was talking about, they usually have humorous rhymes and poems written on them. Krampus is often featured looming menacing, menacingly over children. A lot of times he'll have a wicker basket on his back with kids in it that he's awesome. kidnapping. Uh, he's also shown having one human foot and one cloven hoof in a lot of them. That's a very mm. common trope. And on some of the cards, uh, he has uh, some very weird sexual overtones where he's uh, pursuing very buxom women. So that's <laughs> very German. So the horm- horny children beater. Literally the horny children beater yes yeah great tradition right Right? a fantastic (laughs) holiday tradition 
So musically, Germany uh, gave us a whole bunch of uh, Christmas carols that we know. Uh, Silent Night, like you mentioned, O Tannenbaum, Come All Ye Shepherds, Come All Ye Faithful, uh, along with the root musical ideas for much more of our Christmas music. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also some that haven't really made it out of Germany, at least as far as I can tell. Uh, one very popular song is called Kling Glocken, uh, Ring Little Bell. Uh, here's a clip from Helen Fisher singing that song. That's Germany. That's uh, uh, it sounds like, like I said, it sounds like it's a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, it lasts a long time. The celebration goes on for, you know, over a month. It seems great to me. All right. Awesome. Well, we'll stay in the general vicinity of and and focus on Christmas in Ireland. Ooh. I think I'm terrible at geography, so it could be like way. Um, <laughs> it's definitely you know. Europe. I, okay. There yeah, we go. It's four or 500 miles, but <laughs> you're close. You got the and right continent. Um, so Christmas in Ireland, similar to Mexico is all about friends and family coming together. But the biggest difference is many of the gatherings are held, as you would expect in Ireland, in the pub. Ah, makes sense. Ah. Yes. In most towns and villages and cities, the pubs are the center of everything, making for a convenient and comfortable place for everyone to meet up. I'm down. The season starts with putting up the Christmas tree on December 8th, because according to Christian tradition, the Immaculate Conception occurred on this date. Along with the tree, holly is often used to decorate homes. Holly actually has a very rich history for the Irish people that is woven into Irish mythology. (laughs) It is known in Ireland as Coolin, and it was never cut down completely, so they wouldn't cut down the entire holly bush, but instead, uh, sprigs were often brought into homes. Holly is believed by the Irish people to protect from evil spirits, as an angel was said to stand on each spike of of the holly leaf. And also the scent was said to get rid of jealousy and open the heart. Oh. Yeah. During the entire almost month-long celebration, it is uncommon for them to have snow, with the exception of some areas in Northern Ireland. So if you're visiting there for the holidays, don't expect to have a white Christmas, just like those of us living here in Las Vegas. <laughs> Doesn't happen here very often either. Um, later in the month, the country effectively shuts down for the week between Christmas Eve and and New Year's Day, as you were saying, like, we just don't do these things Surprise! here. Go back to work. Um, although the celebrations really go all the way through to January 6th, which is a common theme as we get through these, yeah. these countries. On Christmas Eve, everyone returns from home wherever they are to begin their holidays. So if they're traveling abroad or in, if they work in a different area from their hometown, they actually all travel back to their hometowns uh, to uh, kind of gather on this day. Irish families illuminate a window of their homes with a candle lit by either the youngest child of the family or the mother. This custom symbolizes that the homeowner would be welcome to allowing Mary and Joseph into their home, unlike the innkeeper in Bethlehem, who that turned them away. What a jerk. Right. Before bed, the family will put out a mince pie and a pint of Guinness for Santa. Oh, yeah. I love this place. 
along with a carrot for Rudolph, which in my opinion is way better than the tradition of cookies and milk. And that, vegetables. You know, let's be real. Good for you. Right? Well, that's for Rudolph. Oh, yeah. You know. Um, on that night, Santa is always in need of a stiff drink to build all of those <laughs> toys as we have actually experienced for many years. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> a uh, couple of stiff drinks. Right? Um, Christmas or Noel Egg in Noel Egg in Irish is celebrated on December 25th, as in many other countries. Irish people often celebrate Christmas Day similarly to Americans with food, drink, and family. But additionally, they like to raise money for charitable causes. That's nice. So they do things like fun runs or swimming in the icy seas (laughs) surrounding the area. Better than us. Yeah. Uh, Many towns also hold tractor parades with a variety of fully decorated farm machinery. Hey rides. Yeah. Hey rides. Yeah. Well, I mean, like combines and and all all of the farm equipment, they deck them out huh. in lights, and and the local farmers actually bring them through the the town to uh, to just celebrate uh, the holidays. Uh, many dishes served during dinner are familiar to us, such as turkey, cranberry sauce, and mince pie. Although I don't know that I've ever had mince pie, even though it is a thing here in the United States. Hmm. But other dishes, such as spiced beef, are unique to specific regions. They also serve a round cake that is full of caraway seeds, which doesn't sound great to me because <laughs> that's like the one thing in rye bread that I'm not fond of. So I'm not sure about that. Um, We've taken the thing you hate the most and put it in something delicious. And and, and like a, a, a whole bag of it. it. Right. Whole bag of it. <laughs> um, and then many desserts, such as Christmas pudding with brandy poured over it, Cherry trifle and Yule logs. Layer of meat. <laughs> Layer of lady fingers. <laughs> Thank you, Rachel. Um, and then, uh, as you can tell, uh, a true to form here in Ireland, uh, many of these items are graced with the addition of alcohol. Mm. The most popular modern Christmas songs in Ireland include Christmas in Killarney mm. by Redmond, Weldon, and Kavanaugh. She was playing that one the other night, too. Yeah. That was awesome. I do like that one, but it was a little more regional. So um, I went with another gem called Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues, which we can listen to here. Christmas 
So if you listen to all of the lyrics of this song, you will be very entertained. <laughs> uh, it is a story of a man in a drunk tank dreaming of Christmas with the woman he loves, but has disappointed. <laughs> so it's quite interesting. Uh, the season is tied up on January 6th. This day is called Nolag Nama, uh, which translates to Women's Christmas and is also known as Little Christmas. Now, this day I can truly get behind because it is a day of rest for Irish women. Ooh. Women get the day off, meet up with their friends to have a day out and treat themselves. The men stay home to do the housework, cook, and take down the Christmas decorations, which is important because in Ireland it is considered bad luck to leave them up after this date. Huh. After they remove the decorations, any holly that has been used would be burnt because once it is brought inside a home, it was never to be taken out again until after this day. Huh. So back to the holly. I can put the Christmas stuff away, but you're just going to be upset. Yeah, I, I would I would have to take it all out and reorganize the bins because he would definitely do it wrong. Yeah, exactly. So that's why. You can take it down. Oh, I, I just, can take it I just have to down. It I just away. can't put it away. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Kyle, you want to take a, we'll yeah, take a short break we'll here? Yeah, take a quick one and uh, we'll come right back. Okay. So, Matthew, what's next? My third country is uh, a neighbor of Heather's. Uh, we, we're going to Scotland. Wow. This research caught me completely off guard. Uh, I wasn't quite prepared for what I learned. I mean, I was thinking with its proximity to England, this was kind of a slam dunk, you know, but I was totally wrong. So England and most of the rest of Great Britain has been celebrating the Christmas holiday for centuries. Mm. There was a period of about 40 years during the 1600s when celebrating the season was banned due to the Reformation. But in Scotland, however, they took that shit super seriously. <laughs> the Scots discouraged festivities well into the 20th century. Really? It wasn't until 1958 when Scotland recognized Christmas as a national holiday. What? 1958? And it wasn't until 1974 that Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, was recognized as an official day off for employees. So that's super crazy. I was two years old and Scotland was still kind of in its infancy celebrating the Christmas holiday. That's bizarre. Yeah. You never, it's right next to England. Both of my parents were born before Scotland officially celebrated Christmas. Yeah. Huh. Nuts, right? (laughs) Interesting. So in Scotland, you can wish everyone a happy Christmas, as they do in England, or if you would prefer the national dialect, Scots, you can wish them a blithe Yule. Hmm. Or if you're feeling particularly jaunty, you can wish someone a nolag, same word, cheerdeal, which is Merry Christmas in Gaelic. Oh. Uh, in most of the rest of Great Britain, Santa Claus is typically, typically referred to as Father Christmas. In Scotland, it is not Father Christmas, not St. Nicholas, not even Santa Claus. The bearer of gifts goes by the share-like moniker of just Santa. Hmm. He is not Santa Claus. He's just Santa. (laughs) (laughs) Food-wise, it's kind of interesting. You can expect to find a scotch broth, which is a delicious soup with vegetables. You know, find that everywhere. You can get a kakaliki, which is another soup. This one made with chicken and leeks. Kakaliki. Ah. Uh, And maybe you want to get down on some Cludy dumpling. This is Scotland's answer to Christmas pudding, and it is loaded with raisins, cinnamon, spices, and apples, and then the whole thing is boiled in a cloth. Huh. The word for cloth in Scots, clute. 
Hence the Clooty Dumpling. Hmm. Uh, one thing that I would uh, I would know would be your favorite, Heather, is uh, the cheese board, which is very uh, popular. Yeah, bring it on. Maybe you'd like a Kabak, the oldest cheese in Scotland, which is covered in toasted oatmeal. Mm. Sounds quite hmm. good. Uh, one thing is for certain, though, in Scotland, they love their fire. And that makes sense because it's pretty damn cold and damp up there, especially during the holiday season. Uh, first, they love the Yule log. Dating all the way back to the 8th century in Viking times, they would save a hardwood log to burn on the shortest day of the year and light it with a piece of last year's log. And that's a nice tradition. Oh. Carry it forward. Uh, whoever was present during the lighting would enjoy prosperity and protection for the whole year. To keep evil spirits away, the Scottish had the Kalich, or the old winter's totem. So they would carve a piece of wood with the face of an old woman, toss it onto the fire on Christmas Eve, warding off all the evil spirits. As far as drinks are concerned, uh, you seldom need to stray any further than Scotch whiskey, which is fantastic any time of the year, but gives a little added warmth around the holidays. Uh, also, they celebrate an, an event called Sowen's Nicht on Christmas Eve. This is based on the dish called Sowen, which is oat husk and meal that has been steeped in water for several days and allowed to sour and ferment. Ugh. That doesn't sound great. Does not sound great. <laughs> Maybe a mushy sourdough-like yeah. flavor, possibly? Maybe. Maybe fermented mushy sourdough flavor. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, I sourdough, know sourdough is ferment, does ferment, but not, I guess. Yeah. yeah like uncooked sourdough? Like drinking Ugh. a so sourdough starter? Like <laughs> here. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, so it would be very difficult to go wrong uh, when including the bagpipes in any type of musical celebration. But when you include it in Christmas time, it is the best. Obviously, the most well-known song of the season from Scotland is Old Lang Syne which is Scots for long, long ago. The song was never intended for the Christmas season, nor for New Year's Eve, hmm. when it is traditionally sung the world over. But through the years, it's become more and more synonymous with the holiday time. The Scottish have the best names for their songs. Balu Lami, Gloomy Winter, and Ale is Deer. Like, beer is deer. <laughs> That's a great song. And they all double as drinking songs. Like, every single one of them is a Christmas like carol. in Ireland. Yeah, it's a Christmas carol <laughs> and a drinking song. Uh, here's a clip of a great one called Here We Come a Wassailin, which we know this song, <laughs> Bottom of the Punch Bowl. Sounds like this. So that's it for Scotland. Uh, Kyle, what do you got? Spain. Pick Spain for the next one. España? España. It's beautiful. Uh, <laughs> it's beautiful there in the winter on the coast of the Mediterranean. It's nice and warm. Kind of unusual for Christmas weather, but we're kind of used to it here in Vegas. Also, how can I say no to a country that uh, part of their Christmas tradition is to make ornaments that are pooping and have a log <laughs> that also poops? We'll get back to that in a second. Like the poop emoji or like? Nope. 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 <laughs> 
We'll come back. Okay. <laughs> so uh, they celebrate from around the 22nd of December through the Epiphany on January 6th. Uh, the 28th of December, just like Mexico, uh, is Dia de los Santos Inocentes, which is basically the Spanish version of April Fool's Day. Like you said, uh, wow. it sounds like they celebrated in Mexico too. Mm-hmm. So on the 22nd of December every year, there's also a thing called the El Gordo, the Fat Lottery. <laughs> Uh, it's been around since 1812 and it's gotten as high as 2 billion euros before they basically, everybody buys a ticket for El Gordo. And then, uh, on the 22nd, they draw out the winning numbers and somebody wins millions or billions of dollars. Talk about a great Christmas present. Uh, A few years ago, some town of less than a hundred people split $950 million between everybody in the town because they all pooled their money, bought a whole bunch of tickets and then everybody, they won. So that actually worked. Yeah. Wow. Crazy, right? Many people also go to Midnight Mass on Christmas Eve, known as La Misa del Gallo, Mass of the Rooster, yeah. uh, because like you said, a rooster supposedly crowed when uh, Jesus was born. Many families also eat the main Spanish Christmas dinner on Christmas Eve, just before or after Midnight Mass. It's a very special time for families to get together. They give thanks and celebrate the birth of Jesus. Surprise, very Catholic country. Some children are allowed a few gifts on Christmas, but the main gifts come on the night of January 5th. Uh, in Spain, there isn't really one Santa Claus. Instead, they celebrate the three wise men, the Reyes Mar- Uh, Melchior, Gaspar, and Balthazar, with parades and celebrations on the night of January 5th. Then when they go home, children put out their shoes for the wise men to fill with gifts. So again, we're kind of seeing a lot of these traditions that are intertwined with one another in slightly different ways. In Galicia, uh, a mythical coal miner called El Alapador fills children's stomachs to see if they've been eating well and leaves behind little treats like chestnuts and sweets. It's a little weird. <laughs> Not at all terrifying. Uh, the Basques totally normal. also have uh, their own more rugged version of Santa, uh, the mythical giant Olentezero. Uh, he wears peasants' clothing. He smokes a pipe and brings gifts for children on Christmas Eve in return for food and alcohol. So, two of my favorite traditions that they have, kind of, they're more catalog which is a region of Spain. But uh, one of them is uh, every year they make these ceramic ornaments of famous people from the news throughout the year <laughs> with their pants down and they're pooping. So okay. like a so few years ago. specifically newscasters. Yeah. Well, not not just newscasters. Anybody famous that was in the news anybody. for the year. Oh, got So it. Okay. for example, a few years ago, uh, they made some of uh, Trump pooping. Uh, before that, there were some Obama pooping ones. Uh, so basically whoever uh, took a shit basically, in that yeah. year. It was, it's yeah. a, it's a weird tradition that they do and they're they're so funny looking there's websites that are dedicated to showing all of them that they can collect they're great there's also the christmas log the cagatillo in catalonia which literally translates as pooping log it's basically a wooden log dressed up with a face and legs they cover it in a blanket and they put a catalian hat on it called a barantina children throughout the month of december they get it late november early december and children feed it small pieces of bread or nuts or an orange peel pieces every evening in the lead up to Christmas. And then on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, depending upon the family tradition, they sing the Cagatillo song. They whack the log with a stick and ask the log to poop out Taron, which is a type of sweet nougat uh, and other treats. Once the song is finished, they take the blanket off to discover that there are a whole bunch of hidden sweets underneath it. So obviously I had to pick the Cagatillo song. Uh, This version of it is taken from uh, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations Holiday Special from 2011, (laughs) and it features Nora Jones singing. Singing the song. <laughs> 
Erasno. Oh my god. That is so disturbing. So go look that up. Go look that up on YouTube because it is animated. Uh, that's the weird little sound effects and the pooping noise that you hear. Uh, but the translation, the translation of the lyrics is literally poop log, poop tarone, made from almonds or pine nuts. Don't poop sardines. They are too salty. Poop tarone. They are better. Poop log, poop tarone. If you don't poop, I will hit you with a stick. And it's so, <laughs> it's another one of those great traditions. I think it needs to spread. Everybody should have a poop log in their house for Christmas. Uh, I'm just saying, I think it'd be great. But uh, that's that's uh, uh, Spain. And there's uh, one of the other fascinating things I found out about Spain is divided into so many smaller regions. Every single one has different Christmas traditions. This was just my favorite that I picked. There's so many more to go check out uh, and it's worth a quick look up. But uh, yeah, that's that's part of Spain. Wow. All right. I don't that's that's a tough one to follow. Yeah, I can't match a poop log. <laughs> All right. So we we are going to head over to Greece. So Christmas in Greece, or should I say un Christmas. Hmm. Greece is well-known, well-traveled country for tourists, but is not a popular destination for Christmas for a number of reasons. First, why would you go to Greece to not enjoy the beaches in the summer months, but also because they do not really celebrate Christmas, so to speak. Greeks believe that goblins or bad spirits known as kalikanseroys uh, appeared during the 12 day celebrations of Christmas until they observe the epiphany, which generally falls on January 6th. Basically, the story is that these bad spirits spend the entire year trying to destroy the world tree from the roots. And then as they get close to the final stage of crumbling the world into Hades, they come to the surface so that they don't get crushed with it. Hmm. Greek families burn a constant Yule log during the 12-day period when it is said that they're at the surface wreaking havoc in towns by tripping people and causing accidents to keep them out of their homes as the chimney is a common way for them to enter the home. So they basically burn the Yule log nonstop during these 12 days to keep the Kalikansaroys from, from going into their house. Mm -hmm. Greek people do not decorate with Christmas trees, but rather they hang a cross covered with a sprig of basil with a bowl of water below it to keep the basil fresh. They use the blessed water to sprinkle around the home to help ward off these bad spirits. So it's very focused on like making sure that they don't have a bad experience during these 12 days because it's just a terrible time. <laughs> um, also, they hang a pomegranate and cremetta over their front doors. They do this to allow visitors to smash it with their foot on New Year's Day as a symbol of strength and good fortune. Along the streets, you can find often find young children in groups of two or more singing kalanda or Christmas carols whilst playing drums, the triangle, and carrying boats adorned with nuts.
so as you can see, that song is um, very grating and would make me go absolutely insane <laughs> listening fun. to <laughs> I mean, it is fun, just, but it just goes on and on and on with that same repetitive I know. I heard versing. it last night. Yeah. Just all day out in the streets. Right. You're just like, oh, uh, shut up. Shut up. <laughs> talk, about, talk about an earworm. Yeah. That one definitely would have that. <laughs> uh, the traditional Greek Christmas food mainly consists of roast lamb or pork served with a spinach and cheese pie and frisostamos. Frisostamos. It is a very difficult uh, word, uh, which is a sweet bread decorated with a cross sign and flowers on the top. For dessert, they bake a lot of sweet phyllo pastry dishes like baklava, katefi, three puntes, three puntes, three puntes, um, and then uh, melomacrona, carona, melomacrona cookies and corambiandes, corambiandes, or butter and powdered sugar cookies are a huge part of Christmas for all Greeks. Christmas Day is a day of family and feasting with relaxation. Santa is not common in Greece. Instead, there is Saint Basil, or Agios Vasiles in Greek. Saint Basil was a medieval bishop from Caesarea who protected his community. On Christmas Day, it is not a time when gifts are exchanged. They are traditionally exchanged on New Year's Eve. On January 6th, or the Epiphany, when the sun starts moving again, it is said that the Kaliakonsteroi must return underground to continue their sawing, realizing that the world tree healed itself in their absence, and they must start their annual process over again. That's got to be frustrating. Yes. (laughs) Also, on this day, the Greek Orthodox Church performs the great blessings of the waters. This is performed by a priest. The tradition is that the priest throws a cross into the sea and men and boys dive into the icy sea to try to retrieve the cross. The person who finds and returns the cross to the priest is then blessed by the priest for an entire year. Finally, the priest releases a white dove as a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Mm. So diving into the Aegean. Yeah. yeah. You know, in the middle of winter but, when it's nice and warm. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, not- that sounds terrible. Not <sighs> super Christmassy in the sense that we know Christmas. No. And it and it sounds like a really terrible time to be in <laughs> Greece. Like with those little goblins. It doesn't sound trying, great. Trying to attack you. Yeah, right. You know, so that's all I have. Okay. For my last one, uh, I decided I wanted to use some inside information. So I chose the country of Russia, where my daughter-in-law, mostly, mostly my daughter-in-law, right? They're engaged. They've been engaged for a while. Might as well be. Uh, Paulina, she's from Russia. Uh, She is the fiance of the host of the audio judo spinoff through line that you can find on Pantheon or any other podcast source. She, she, she spent many years of her life. I don't know exactly the ages, but do you know? When she was in Russia? Russia yeah. From 10 months until she was uh, just starting, about to start 10th grade. Okay, so quite a while. Yeah. In and around Moscow. So what better source could I possibly uh, find? The first thing uh, we had to figure out is that Christmas is not celebrated on the traditional Christmas day. It is actually celebrated on the 7th of January. You know, there's, I've heard a lot hmm. of 6th and 8th. Yeah. 7th January. This is because the Russian Orthodox Church still goes by the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar, like the West. So everything is 13 days behind. And it's not even the most important holiday. New Year's is way more important than Christmas and is celebrated on January 1st, obvi. 
Hmm. Uh, one of the best things that she and I talked about was that Santa's place is taken in Russia by Dead Moroz or Grandpa Frost or Father Frost, depending on who you talk to. On New Year's Eve, he places gifts under the New Year tree, as opposed to the Christmas tree. It's called the New Year tree. Uh, he is accompanied by Snegoruchka. I hope I said that right. She's going to be so pissed. <laughs> A snow maiden said to be his granddaughter, uh, and she kind of acts as his assistant. He carries a staff, puts on a red, blue, silver, or gold coat lined with white fur, coat. and wears valenki, traditional boots made of wool. Hmm. Unlike Santa, Father Uggs. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. Unlike Santa, Father Frost is tall and thin, and instead of traveling by sleigh, he gets around Russia by taking a troika, a vehicle pulled by three horses. Huh. Right, so one of her favorite traditions of her family is that they used to hang cuties in the tree. So the whole house smelled like oranges, like mm -hmm. the whole Christmas season. Uh, her I favorite, think they, they put like cloves and stuff into them. She said just cute. No, uh, just, she said just cuties. Just okay. Yeah. Uh, her favorite movie is called Jack Frost. It was released in 1964 and is more of a romantic fantasy with a really, 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 really complicated plot. <laughs> Holy shit. It has a Cinderella type vibe thing to it and it involves bears and Father Frost. We need um, to find that. I did. So I watched the first 20 minutes of it and I got completely lost. So I need to watch it with Paulina and yeah. she can help me make sense of it. There's also an episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They talk about where it. Where they riff on it. Yep. And it, it's actually a, a great movie. Like it's it's so fascinating because it's so outside the realm of any like Western fantasy stuff. It's, it's so great. weird. And they, they actually did it twice. They did a riff tracks uh, episode. Oh, Really? of it too. I watched the first 20 minutes of it and I'm like, I cannot follow this. She tried to explain it to me over the phone. I'm like, ah, that's a lot of stuff. I feel like there's some Soviet undertones here. Just a few. <laughs> so food and drink wise, she said that her family used to make hot sangria during the holidays, which sounds awesome. They had a lot of salad. Yeah, she said that when we were in Colorado, yeah. she warmed up the sangria that Mike made. She did? Yeah. I must have missed that. Yeah. I must have probably huh. been eight cups of sangria deep, so I missed it. What were you going to say? Uh, nothing. It was oh. just, that's, that's interesting. A lot of salad. They had a lot of salad. A salad called Olivier salad that had boiled potatoes, peas, boiled eggs, and in her words, way too much mayo. Hmm. Uh, they also ate fish in a fur coat. Uh, it is actually called, and I know I'm going to butcher this and she's going to be mad, Selyodka Pod Shiboy, which is a- That sounded pretty good. Which is a herring in a fur coat. It is a layered salad with pickled herring, boiled eggs, veggies, onions, mayo, and sometimes a layer of fresh apple. Huh. Yes. That's the face I made too. Yes, that is the one. Now, uh, I, I do need to double check. Herring in a fur coat is not a euphemism. No, <laughs> it is not. <laughs> okay. I just want to make sure- it's the fuck food. <laughs> it's the fuck food. We found a Christmas fuck food. <laughs> uh, it's a, and then a final layer of ground beets is put on top, which gives the salad its characteristic purple color. Huh. I'd take the beets and the apples. Yeah. Then but everything, everything else. Yeah. That, <laughs> Way Gross. too much mayo. She said that several times. Way too much mayo. But we all know. Yeah, we know. She doesn't like any of that stuff. Music-wise, it is pretty somber in general, as one might expect. Bleak. Nowadays, they use a lot of the Western carols, but the original traditions are for simple folk songs. She recommended a couple from a romance movie that she liked, and I watched it, and it was just too Western. But I picked one. Most popular song in Russia during the holidays is called The Forest Raised a Christmas Tree, and this is what it sounds like. В 
So uh, that's Russia. Hmm. Thank you so much, Paulina, for helping me out. We'll see you at Christmas time. Yay. Kyle? So I took a quick jump to the entire other side of the planet from where we've been talking about. Japan. It's always been a place I would love to visit. I've always been fascinated with their history and their adoption of all these Western ideas and cultures after World War II. Plus Kentucky Fried Chicken. How can you go wrong with that? <laughs> that saved me. Kentucky Sa- Fried Chicken. It saved you when you were in Japan? It saved me after a night of debauchery. <laughs> debauchery. 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 You've been listening to Bach all night. You were crazy. (laughs) Totally man. So uh, since Christmas in Japan is not so much a religious holiday, it's thought of more as a time to spread happiness and cheer and spend time with your friends. Christmas Eve is actually often thought of more like we think of Valentine's Day. It's a night to go out on a date with a person you love. Christmas Day isn't a national holiday, but it is often included in the New Year's holiday time off. So many people and a lot of school children get that day off. So the biggest, one of the biggest things that you'll notice in any picture of Japan around Christmas time is Christmas lights, like you have never seen before. They make some of the best Christmas light displays in the U.S. look like shoddy, like hack jobs. They're amazing. Tokyo, Osaka, and Kobe have these huge, huge displays every single year that look absolutely beautiful. Their power bills must go nuts every year between, you know, end of November and January 1st. It's crazy. But they do like their lights. They do like their lights a lot. Pictures of Tokyo or any of the downtown areas. There's also a whole bunch of Christmas markets that spring up all over the place, um, which apparently is a trend everywhere, but in the U.S., who knew? Uh, For shopping, to get presents, to exchange with your friends and family. It's also very popular to visit theme parks around Christmas time uh, with a group of friends. And Tokyo Disneyland is generally more crowded during the Christmas season than any other time of year. Really? Yeah. Two biggest Christmas foods in Japan, uh, strawberry shortcake and Kentucky fried chicken. (laughs) There's no clear reason for the strawberry shortcake. Most likely the colors of the strawberry cake fit with the season. So they started to sort of make them uh, around Christmas. According to anthropologist David W. Plath, popularity also stemmed from a desire to emulate Western affluence during the recovery days following World War II. KFC, on the other hand, can be directly linked to a marketing campaign in 1974. Brilliant. Right? Brilliant marketing campaign. Uh, they were inspired by the Western Christmas tradition of a turkey dinner. KFC Japan came up with the idea to market chicken to Japanese Christians instead of turkey because turkeys are basically unheard of in Japan. The slogan, Christmasu Niwa Kentucky, or Kentucky for Christmas, was born. It's now so popular that you have to order your KFC Christmas dinner months in advance, otherwise you won't get one. Also, there's a statue of Colonel Sanders in almost every single KFC. FC in Japan, and they dress him up as Santa Claus for Christmas season uh, and call him Colonel Santa. 
That's probably awesome. one of KFC's like biggest revenue days. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Christmas. It has they to must. Be. They must make. I'm sure it's one of those things where Christmas Day keeps the company running for the rest of the year. That's their. That's the day they break even, and the rest of the year is all profit. It's like their Black Japan. Friday. Yeah, exactly. So apparently, uh, musically, uh, singing and performing Christmas music, Christmas music with friends and family is very popular in Japan, uh, rather than going out to listen or listening to commercially available music, especially famous around Christmas uh, and the end of the year in Japan. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And its final act, Ode to Joy. Uh, it's known simply as Daiku, which means nine, number nine. It's a radish. Uh, right? Daikon. That Daikon is the radish. Yeah, That's it right. is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> choirs all over the country sing uh, sing it in German, weirdly enough. Sure. Um, <laughs> one choir in Osaka has 10,000 members in it, and it is known as the number nine chorus. What? Yeah. All that being said, of course, I'm going to pick a bonkers J-pop Christmas song to share. Here's a piece of Santa-san by a J-pop group, Momori Clover Z. <laughs> So interesting side notes, Momori Clover Z in 2015 released a collaboration single with Kiss titled You May Know Yukio Ni Saitimani or Saitamina. Uh, It was the first time Kiss ever released a collaboration CD with another artist. What? And it's not that great. But well, I mean, the uh, uh, music video for it is is fascinating because it is an anime Kiss uh, singing with an anime version of this band. And then they become their real selves in the end of the video. It's it's great. They'll do anything for a paycheck. Right. But that's uh, uh, Christmas in Japan. All right. I liked it. I was a little jealous that you chose Japan. I, you know, I, I honestly, I, if you would have wanted it, I would have gladly let you take it. It's all right. There's so uh, many countries. Right. Yeah. So we're going to come close to home with Christmas in Canada. Ooh. So, a? Can, a? Yeah, a? Christmas Sorry, in Canada. Canadians. A? Canadians celebrate Christmas in much the same way as it is in other Western countries. Uh, the three main days of celebration are Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and Boxing Day. So, again, like all of these other countries, month long, week long, yeah, we get, whatever. We get three days. Like three days. That's That's it. That's all they do. Um, Christmas parades do start, though, in November, and they are popular with Santa Claus parades being a highlight. Hmm. Uh, They start November and spill over into December. Canadians are especially proud to say that their country is the home of Santa Claus. Oh, So the Finns and the Canadians might be thrown down. This could start start an international incident. It it could, it could. Right. Uh, light festivals are also popular during the holidays. Uh, when it comes to Canadian Christmas music, we are fortunate to have many Canadian artists interwoven into our holidays, such as Sarah McLaughlin, one of my favorites, Michael Bublé, Bublé. Uh, Celine Dion, Tyler Shaw, Justin Bieber and Diana Krall and, and, and many others. As well, there are some memorable quirky songs like Grandma Got Ran Over by the Rain by a Reindeer by the Rovers and Honky the Christmas Goose 
as sung by Toronto Maple Leafs legend Johnny Bauer. What? Yeah, I thought you'd find that interesting. But the Canadian Christmas Carol that stands out for most Canadians due to its heritage and the roots in their past and folklore is the Huron Carol. And here is a little sample of it sung by the Canadian vocal group, The Tenors. Child of earth and heaven is born today for you. Come kneel before the radiant boy who brings you beauty, peace, and joy. Peace and joy. Jesus, your King is born. Jesus is born in excelsis So this song is attributed to the Canadian martyr St. John de Brebeuf. It is considered Canada's oldest Christmas song written around 1642. Wow, the original wow. title was Jesus Ahatonia, or Jesus is Born, with its English lyrics written in 1926 by Jesse Edgar Middleton. Mm. With Canada being so vast, I thought it better to break down some of the traditions by province as there are some very interesting celebrations that occur in different regions. Snick Tuck, or sorry, Sink Tuck is a festival started by the Inuit people, celebrated in some provinces, especially those in the north. The celebration consists of dancing and gift exchanging. Nova Scotia is known all over the world for its fir and pine Christmas trees. Annually, they send their biggest and best fur to Boston because of the assistance that they were given by the city in an incident called the Halifax Explosion. Also in Nova Scotia, many people take part in an activity called bell snickling, where they dress up in disguise in funny Santa costumes and go from home to home until one of the homeowners is able to guess who they are. At each home, they are served Christmas cake or cookies. But unfortunately, in some areas, this has been canceled due to people using this tradition as a way to beg. Uh, mm -hmm. Those bums. <laughs> Let me in for cookies and cake. In Newfoundland, they have a tradition called mummering or jannying. It is where people dress up in costumes, knock on doors, so not specifically Santa, but in costumes, knock on doors and in a disguised voice say, are there any mummers in the night? That the, sounds kind of creepy. That yeah, sounds it, like yeah. the making of a horror movie too, right? The owner of the home lets them in to sing and dance with cake and drink. Then the mummerer, the mummerers head to the next house to do the same. If the owner could not identify who who the mummerer was, they joined them on their path from home to home. Ugh. Huh. Yeah. So that's when you shut off all your lights and like, I'm not home. Yeah. Don't I knock feel on like my I wanna, door. I feel like we can write a horror movie based on this. <laughs> the mummering. Right? We should look it up. <laughs> In the northern Canadian provinces, some plan a taffy pole, the patron saint of single women. 
This party is thrown in hopes that the single women in attendance can meet eligible single men. So it's like that a taffy pull? Speed dating in a taffy pull? I don't know if they're actually making taffy. Do they, do they or? pair everybody up so it's like one man and one woman pulling taffy with one another? Maybe. That is a euphemism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I didn't read into it enough, I guess. Mm. Uh, many families throughout the country will have cookie baking parties, which is similar to here in the in the United States. Everyone brings a recipe for Christmas cookies, bakes them, and exchanges them with the other members of the family in attendance. Then in Quebec, at the end of the Christmas season on Epiphany, so January 6th again, they have a celebration called La Fête des Rois, or Feast of the Kings. They bake a cake and place a bean in the middle. Whoever is the lucky person to discover the bean gets to be the king or the queen. Hmm. So that's nice. There it is Another again. thing baked into a Baked into something. a pastry. Right. Or yeah. whatever. So or, or a herring. That's Canada in a nutshell. There's a herring baked into a sweet cake. <laughs> mm, delicious. <laughs> uh, you, oh, I got the herring. I got the, you <laughs> win. Trust Bite the for me this year. <laughs> so the this eyeballs is, are my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, so these episodes are not always entirely about music, even though we're a music podcast, but the traditions surrounding the holidays. And you cannot deny that music is an integral part of the celebration, whether you're in Japan or Canada, Nigeria or elsewhere in the world. Just um, not so much in Greece. Not so much in Greece, apparently. That's what we found that no. out. No, we're not going to Greece for the holidays. No. no. Period. So I want to thank you, Heather. For joining yes. us again. It's always a special treat to record these episodes with you. Of course. Always fun. Thank uh, you. So glad. Yeah, uh, it's so nice to have another perspective on it, too, because if it was just Matthew and I talking about Christmas, yeah, get boring. I feel quick. like it would devolve into something else. Probably. Um, always does. Yeah, it always does. Sex jokes and poop jokes. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I did that anyways. We got those. <laughs> did that anyways. So uh, us here at Audio Judo want to wish you and your families out there in podcast world a wonderful and safe holiday season, or uh, as they say, Feliz Natal, Barka Dakir Samati, Blythe Yule, or in Russia, Snovim Godum. Oh, Feliz Navidad. Very nice. I hope I got that right, Paulina. Please don't be mad. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, Merry Christmas shout out to uh, all of our patrons. Yeah. Simon C., our UK consultant. Thank you so much. Uh, in the front row seats here, Aaron P., Darlene W., and Michael A. Thank you all very much. And our backstage pass patrons, Christian S., David W., Michael S., Scott K., and a new one, Kristen K. Thank you all so much. Have a wonderful holiday season wherever you are and however you celebrate. Yeah. If you want to uh, get a hold of us, tell us what your favorite holiday traditions are. Let us know, you know, maybe you're in Scotland, Scotland and you're like, nobody eats Clutie Pie anymore, you idiot. <laughs> you know, go ahead, tell us. You can get a hold of us on uh, Facebook at facebook.com forward slash audio judo, Twitter at audio judo, or Instagram audio underscore judo, or you can just email us directly at info at audio judo.com. That's usually the most effective way, and we see those right away. Um, we have episodes coming up about our top 10 albums of the year, as always, uh, Steve Ray Vaughn and others. So please stay with us. And again, have a great holiday season, everybody. Until then, uh, bye bye. Bye bye. Christmas. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 